welcome to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. On today's episode, I'm going to be meeting with a fellow podcaster and coach. So with me today is Meg. Good morning. Good to be here with you. And Meg, how do you like to be introduced? Well, I would say that... um, First of all, I've got this incredibly annoying last name because I married somebody who had a last name filled with consonants. So my last name is Rentschler, and it's just kind of slurring all those consonants together. Um, And I am an executive and mentor coach and coach educator. But I really believe that I'm more of a connector of people and connecting people with resources and um, have a real passion for the coaching industry and what coaches can do. So um, I absolutely love seeing coaches thrive because I think when coaches thrive, the whole community can thrive. Very cool. How did you come up with the term connector? Where did you kind of coin that phrase? I so first of all in in sort of taking strengths assessments and and looking at what lights me up what absolutely drives my interactions so it happens to be that under strengths finders my number one strength is connectedness if anybody has ever taken the via character strengths assessment which is by the way a great assessment um My top strength there is love, which is really valuing close relationships and people. So after three years of doing my podcast, of focusing on strategies and tools and resources to help coaches be successful, I realized that it's all about connecting. It's being a a connector with people and a connector with people to resources, and that that's what lights me up. So that's what sort of has led to that realization for me. Nice. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, But before we kind of dive into more specific topics, I'd like to be interested to hear from you. Diana Ideas from Hawthorne Union, where I'm coaching at, uh, brought us together. And I'd like to hear from you um, why you agreed to talk with me today. Well, Diana is a dynamic coach who also is passionate about the field of coaching. So when she said, I would love for you to connect with Jason and and uh, be on, on the podcast, it just made perfect sense to me that you're doing something that the topic of this show, the meaning behind this show is so important. Like how do we develop people and how do we take care of ourselves on that path as well is, is just one of those things that makes perfect sense. And I love supporting fellow coaches and that's what you are. So why not be here and do that all together? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the the quest on this show is always finding out those of us who support and develop other people. How do we take care of ourselves? Because as a as a connector, um, you may have experienced this as well. That sometimes we're the last in line to to get our own needs taken care of, and so that's what we're dissecting on this show. Um. So as we dive in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you came to the world of coaching? Okay, so I'll try to make that long story uh, pretty succinct. I began my career as a psychotherapist. So talk about, you know, working with people and really needing to be uh 
conscientious about your own health and well-being because that can be an incredibly draining profession and an incredibly enlightening and and um, fulfilling profession as well. I had decided as a um, a teenager that I wanted to work with teens. I'd read an article about teenage runaways and um, I thought I really want to work in a place to make a difference with these kids that feel like they have no choices. So I began my career as a clinical social worker in downtown Detroit, working with uh children and families in a relatively low economic uh, structure and um, went into then working with children who were in crisis. I would work overnight and and uh, focus on kids um, who were suicidal or um, needed hospitalization. Then I came to Texas and um, and began working. I worked in a psychiatric hospital. I then went into private practice as a therapist. And after about 20 years of being a therapist, maybe 20, 25 years, somewhere in there, I noticed, Jason, that I had consistent, that, that the flavor of my um, clientele were, were shifting a little bit so that there was a lot of overwhelm in the workplace, a lot of people being asked to be leaders without understanding what that meant, or my clients were being led by people who it seemed pretty clear to me didn't really understand leadership. And I started to burn out. I started to realize that, that the, um, the repeated drain and overwhelm in my client population and sort of helping people come back together again and strengthen up. And then they'd come back the next week and they'd be in the exact same place again. It was, uh, and, and wanting to be put on disability or wanting, there was just so much dysfunction. I thought, I feel so reactive to this situation what can I do to be more proactive? And in trying to be more proactive, it was really about responding to the demands in a in a better way, but also really taking better care of myself because I was realizing that I was approaching burnout. So I thought, what can I do differently? And I did some research. I fell upon executive coaching. At that point, it was kind of early 2000s. So um, I think far, you know, an emerging field at that point, maybe a lot of people didn't understand what executive coaching was, decided that I wanted to get great training as an executive coach, and then begin to move into organizations to help them create healthier environments for their employees and for and so that the healthier we can help organizations be then the people that work within those organizations will hopefully be healthier happier and uh, live more fulfilled lives so that's sort of what created that that change for me that shift yeah and it, it's interesting that you came from clinical social work, which is a very philanthropic, it's very service orientated. And you mentioned that you were feeling burnt out, which I believe is is very real for people that are in this industry. How did you specifically could tell what was going on with you and that this was a result of specifically burn burnout of the, the job and the organization? All good questions. So I think that part of that is that we have to be tapped into what's happening to us. Um, 
one of there were some things that I was noticing about the way that I was feeling when I woke up in the morning to go into the workplace. Now, at that time, um, my husband and I were were sort of uh, working our schedules so that we could be available to our kids. So I would go in real early. I'd start my first appointment at seven o'clock in the morning and go back to back until about three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would go get the kids and take them to their after school activities and those kinds of things. And so I was finding that it was harder and harder. You know, I'd get up about five o'clock in the morning and it just, I wasn't necessarily as pumped and excited to go to work. I was feeling um, when when I had to, the other thing that was wearing on me was that when you're a therapist in practice, you have to deal with managed healthcare systems, you have to deal with a lot of, of different, and, and just having to kind of deal with the activities that had been part of my job for years felt more draining. I didn't have the same energy level or desire to be a part of that anymore. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really excited when I got new referrals. It was like, I knew I needed to keep my practice full, but it was like getting a new client was almost like, oh, do I want to work with a, a, another client? All those things were indicating to me they they were not a way to thrive in business. If you're not excited about getting new clients, my energy was low. My, um, you know, I, I didn't have as much energy for my family. Um, it, it just, I told my best friend who was a therapist with me one day, I told her, I feel like my life is a vice grip right now. And I just felt so squeezed by the demands of the, of the, practice and trying to be sure that my kids were having everything that they needed and that I was being a good mom and being, but it wasn't the family stuff that was draining me, Jace. It was definitely the, the work. Um, I just wasn't now I will tell you, I fully engaged when I was there and I was Mm -hmm. certainly there for my clients, but I knew internally that it was a shift within me, that it was no longer, I wasn't coming at the same, at the same energy level that I, that I had historically come at. Yeah. It's interesting when we think about very physical jobs, something like a a massage therapist, you know, there is a, a physicality element. So by the the job that there is a lifespan and usually something about 10 years but we we traditionally don't kind of confer that back to anything that is extremely mentally intensive such as psycho psychotherapy so knowing as self-aware as you are now as learning the craft of coaching and kind of reflecting back do you believe that doing psychotherapy or clinical social work has a a lifespan or should everyone just automatically feel like lifers and if they don't do it, they're failures? Curious about your thoughts. Oh, that's interesting. I think that there are some people who can and and do have very successful long-term careers in whatever they choose. As long as they are able to tap into that thing that makes it um, makes it their passion, makes it what, what they believe they're supposed to be doing. For some reason, at some place in my life, I felt like, you know, I'm feeling called to do something else. But there are, 
I think that the way that we continue to, if I'd made the decision to stay in the practice of, of therapy, I would have needed to challenge myself to what kind of new training or as a matter of fact, at the very time that I was looking at whether I was going to transition into executive coaching, I was also looking at what kinds of specialties in psychotherapy might I want to be trained and um, gain new expertise in so that that I could continue to be challenged and feel like I was bringing value. So at the time, it was sort of, do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? Do I, you know, um, strengthen what I'm doing as as a psychotherapist or find new specialties in that? Or do I want to leave the field and go in another direction? I made a decision to go in another direction. But I think that those people who are able to stay and continue their path have to to be lifelong learners. They have to challenge themselves to learn new things and strengthen and not just get into a rut. Because when we get into a rut, I think that our what we offer suffers and um, the way that we develop other people suffers. Meg, you, you talked about doing research and looking at executive coaching, looking at specialties. So when you started going down the avenue of specifically of executive coaching, how did you know that was that was the home that was for you? And and so that is so interesting because there are at the time and and even now there are oodles and that's my technical term. There are <laughs> oodles of programs for therapists to become coaches and they tend to be relationship coaches, life coaches and and there's nothing that there's that's super valuable and that's great. But I knew that my mission in leaving therapy was that I was doing that so that I could go into organizations to help organizations be healthier. So it didn't make sense to me to do one of the training courses that um, wasn't focused specifically on executive coaching. I felt like I had a, a plethora of skills around listening and and being um present and and powerful in my questioning what i knew i needed was that understanding about organizational development and what uh what executive coaching looked like because i felt at the time that i was coming from a disadvantage and not coming from corporate america uh, into executive coaching, but that I was actually coming with a therapeutic background. So um, I was very specific about looking for a program that would strengthen and kind of give me more cred in the executive coaching field um, because I I had the therapeutic background. Yeah, you had mentioned earlier that a lot of this came from leadership, people that weren't equipped to be leaders. Was that from your experience of navigating both legal and health systems, or was that based on personal experience? Can you talk about where that came from? So that came primarily, I had been in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for years as a, as a therapist and was connected with many of the employee assistance programs with the major companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So the clients that I was seeing were coming from large organizations and the experiences that I was having with the way that the things that they were being asked to do or the the way that they felt 
not equipped to um, take care of themselves as well as be, you know, work-life balance things, being able to respond with communication, the, the way that the relationships were playing out in the workplace. So it was primarily the focus that I was seeing in my office, the, the kinds of clients that I was seeing. Now, I'll also say that I've been married to the same man for 34 years, and he's always worked in corporate America. So I could certainly see some of the things that he was talking about and some of the focuses that he had from his experiences at work just reinforce that. And we obviously have friends and family that are in different work environments as well. So I was just kind of seeing these patterns um, wherever I focused my attention on what's happening in the workplace, what's happening in corporate America for people right now. You talked about being an outsider, that you hadn't come from corporate America. When you think about today, has that actually improved the way that you coach or challenged some of the you know, considered concepts or things that are just taken as, oh, that's the way it's always been. Yeah. So that's so good. So when I first got certified and sort of uh, began to build my business as an executive coach, I almost downplayed my, um, the strength that I have in the background that I had. I, it was like, I almost, I had to like, I thought, that I was at such a disadvantage coming from a therapeutic background. And what I have, what I was determined and what I found was that that's actually the differentiator that has helped me build my business. So to your point, it was um, being able to, first, it was helping people understand I'm not diagnosing you as a coach and I'm not, um, I'm not here to fix you or to, to, tell you what's wrong with you or any of the things, the sort of perceptions that people, you know, my clients would sometimes say, are you going to psychoanalyze me? Um, <laughs> and and so w- what I needed to do was get clear with my clients about the 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 perception or the the way that I was able to look at things about relationships, about communication, about the patterns that we fall in was kind of unique from my perspective and challenge them to think about things different ways. So I found that that background that I thought put me at a disadvantage actually was a, was a, like a refreshing perspective for my clients and allowed me to kind of pair what their, what their experience was with some things that I could challenge them to think about or explore. And it ended up making a, a fuller picture than um, just their corporate background or just my therapeutic background. But when we take those together, we're I was able to and continue to be able to work with leadership teams to look at things from a fuller angle to be able to explore what people's needs are through relationships and communication and self-care and balance and all the things that that make us more help us thrive in the workplace rather than just survive. And how long have you been a coach? 12 years. So that takes us up to your current work, which is you're an executive coach coming in as an outsider, challenging the norms, the status quo, and you have a podcast. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. 
Okay. Well, now I sort of have my fingers in lots of different pots, and I find that I really like that. That that's the other thing that um, that is a little bit different in my therapy practice. It was like one client after another after another. You know, eight ten hours a day. Um, now I could have. Sh- you know, shaken that up and done some groups and stuff. But what I see now as a coach, one of the things I love about what I'm doing as a coach is that I can do so many varied things that it keeps my my day super exciting. So in that, I um, teach in two coaching programs and am in constant contact with coaches that are coming through programs and and helping them learn and develop and grow through mentoring and through teaching. So that's about half of my practice that I work with other coaches. And then I work with leaders. I work with um, leadership teams to sometimes I do facilitation around helping them learn how to use coaching in their leadership style, which once again, I believe so much in that impact of coaching. I find it to be really powerful powerful to go into organizations and help whole teams figure out how can we use these principles of coaching to be more effective as leaders. But I also work with individual executive clients. I work with um, people who are trying to make a difference or, or bring their leadership to another level so that they can help their teams thrive, they themselves can thrive, they can find their own balance between home and work. And um, so so my executive coaching practice is like half of my practice as well, because I'm I'm um, balancing between that and my mentor coaching and, and teaching. Um, so I used to do a lot of traveling. I got to tell you, I'm not missing the traveling all that much. I'm really liking <laughs> video conferencing. Uh, yeah. Um, I do like when I'm able to go and be in a room with, uh, with a group of people and help them learn and grow. Uh, but I'm also kind of enjoying uh, the the different pace that that being able to be closer to home and um, continue to bring value, but just do so from from one location is kind of offering. Yeah. What about the client experience? So you've been working with leaders and individual coaches, and you have your own clients as well. Are they experiencing any change now that most of us during COVID-19 are doing a lot more telecommuting and web conferencing? Yeah. So what I'm hearing from my from my leadership clients or my executive clients is, um, first of all, needing to be flexible and agile enough to be able to continue with their productivity and their communication from distancing with one another. Um, I've had a lot of my sessions and my talks have been around how can you effectively show up for your team in such a way that your team feels supported and that you're able to kind of hold them accountable and help them be productive in these change circumstances. I work with some young leaders who, you know, in our sessions on Zoom or in video conference, their kids are coming up behind them and asking them for juice or uh, because obviously not just businesses shut down, but the school shut down. So these leaders are now, you know, full-time parents and trying to, to, uh, to, homeschool, along with running their departments or, you know, having um, 
these these work demands on them as well. So being able to help them navigate the change and navigate the importance of communication and and staying in contact and um, showing up differently for their teams in a way that help people feel connected and understood and uh, heard. Because I think that when we feel invisible, we are no longer as invested in the company. I mean, the the statistics show that if you feel ignored or invisible, you're more likely to leave a company, even than if your boss was mean to you. So we want people to feel connected and heard. And um, those are some of the things that I'm working on with my leaders, as well as the anxiety around returning to work. So many organizations are beginning to return to work, even though the data with numbers around the virus don't necessarily support that. So there's a lot of angst and anxiety around that as well. Yeah, it's something that I'm personally familiar with all too well. So I, it sounds like your clients are very, very lucky to have you support them through that. So as we well, thank sort, you. you're welcome. As we sort of bring our short conversation today for our close, I you should challenge all my guests. So there's an easy through line where it shows the progression of your your career. But what is it that you're doing today to take care of Meg when you were supporting all these different groups and you've got multiple irons in the fire? So one of the things that, and this might sound weird, but one of the things that I'm actually doing that supports me and kind of fills my well is the podcast. So being able to do a podcast where I connect with like-minded individuals, with other people who are wanting to bring their expertise forward to help other people, I got to tell you that absolutely lights me up. Like if I could connect and spend time with people like you all day, just talking about like how we can connect and help other people and bring, oh, I think I could, you know, do that without without my Energizer Bunny battery running out. Because that just fills me up. That is that is something that super fills me up. Now, the other things that that I do I think it's super important to get out and move. And, and so we have a puppy and, you know, getting him out and walking him and, and getting in the sunshine is super important to me. Um, being able to do some, some relaxation and mindfulness and meditation journaling. I love journaling and getting, I feel like my head is not an inbox. So I need to get it out of there and onto paper so that I can grow those ideas because otherwise they just are swirling around in my head. So I think it's super important to do daily practices that help me feel whole and um, that aren't all work-based. Obviously, I've got a wonderful husband and I have um two boys. One just moved home. He just graduated from college. Congratulations, Luke. And he just moved back home because unfortunately for him, this is a horrible time to look for a job. So supporting him, but just being, we do family dinner every night and, um, and, you know, connecting with my husband, connecting with good friends, even if we do that virtually, we've been doing some virtual happy hours with people. So um, just the, that connection, both socially and professionally is super important. That's so cool. And so for all our listeners, what's the name of your podcast, Meg? 
My podcast is The Star Coach Show. And as I mentioned, STAR is an acronym for Strategies, Tools, and Resources. So um, The Star Coach Show, and it's available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, we'll have the links to Meg's show in the notes as well. So before we wrap up, Meg, where can people find out more about you? Well, people can uh, certainly connect through www.starcoachshow.com. So that's the website for the Star Coach Show. And um, my executive coaching business is a focus on results. Um, so a focus on results.com. My, my email is also meg at a focus on results.com. And I would love to hear from anybody. Love to hear what you're doing and what lights you up. Excellent. We'll have all the ways that you can connect with Meg. Again, thank you so much for my fellow podcaster being able to grace my show as well. It was lovely talking to you. Really appreciate it. I appreciate being asked to be on. Thank you so much. You have an awesome day. You're welcome.